Hello, everybody, and welcome to Friday. It's Don's Pinball Podcast, episode number 74. Probably the biggest show that I've done here recently. We've got an incredible amount of news to get to, including the reveal of the date of the New Jersey Jack Pinball Machine, and it's coming up sooner than we thought. All right, October 19th, that is the day. That is the reveal of Jersey Jack's number, what are they up to, eight, nine now? This was just dropped on Facebook after some speculation that I was actually about to get into, and then they went ahead and blew it wide open. So we got a nice purple glitter graphic of a silhouetted pinball machine and the date, October 19th, which also coincides, I believe that is a... Friday, no, Thursday at 8 p.m. at uh, Chicago's Pinball Expo, which is when JJP had their reveal hour, uh, I don't know, session or or uh, you know, talkie thing or seminar, whatever we're calling them. Um, so I was going to talk about how my boy Jason Knapp has been speculating earlier this week that there would be four pinball reveals coming soon to the expo coming up. And we knew about, first off, uh, elements from Pinball Adventures. That's been revealed since Pinball Adventures has been a thing. Uh, what they just dropped, though, recently on Instagram is some video of them actually going through one of the play fields, getting it ready to ship off to Expo. And it was loaded with a lot more than I was uh, anticipating. Now, you know, I do talk to Pinball Adventures. I had seen some some graphics of the play field, um, you know, unpopulated, just, you know, the, the, the actual graphic file. And so I could tell there was more shoot more to shoot and, and uh, more shots and more things going on than pinball uh punny adventures funny adventures oh let's reset than punny factory had um, but what i wasn't expecting was things like upper play fields and bucks and some ramps and things and that infinity mirror which i had heard about you know on the file that i saw it was just one big hole in the middle of the play field so this actually showed the infinity mirror lit up like going down to infinity into the cabinet so i'm hyped for that like like 60 percent more than i was you know, earlier in the week, you know, so we knew about that mystery pinball company has done their reveal, um, for their rumored labyrinth game to be coming out. They also uh, sent out a uh, message this week saying that Friday at 9 30 PM at expo during a pizza party of all things, um, they're going to be uh, revealing the game and they'll have it there to play. So that is super exciting. You know, uh, they've been dropping clues. They've been cataloged on kineticist. They've been cataloged on nap arcade. Um, the consensus is people are thinking it's Jim Anson's uh, Labyrinth movie with the David Bowie. We will wait and see. I'm not convinced either way, but yeah, it certainly wouldn't surprise me. So we're looking forward to that. And so then, uh, you know, we were left with speculation. Okay, what were these two other companies going to be? And uh, some of the, the accompaniment was that this would be a company we weren't expecting. So that made me think of Spooky Pinball. Um, and they just had a live stream this week on which, while they were live streaming America's Most Haunted, uh, they went ahead and, and revealed that they have about two to 300 more uh, Scooby-Doo CEs to make. Then they get on to the Bloodsucker editions. And then following that, the Standard Editions. And then an empty line if they don't put something else out. So I was positing earlier, you know, a few months ago that the next reveal from Spooky, I wasn't expecting to hear anything until Texas Pinball Festival in March, but mayhaps they may be, I don't, I don't know, I don't know, it's two weeks away, you know, two to 300 games, you know, even if they're building 40 a week, uh, that's, you know, 160 a month, that's still two to three months away. I think it'd still be a little early for that, but I was wondering, um, and then Jersey Jack, you know, I'd also been speculating, as other people had, that as the production of the, uh, 
What's her top end? They have a limited edition. Then there's that. Is it a collector's edition with JJP also? I think it is. You know, the, the gold godfather, right? Uh, those should be made. Those should be out. Those have been out. People have them. And so with the eclipse of that and sales for the limited edition drying up, they're also going to be confronted with an empty line. So Steve Ritchie is supposed to be next up. The rumor I've been hearing is Elton John. And now we got confirmation that they're revealing a game on October 19th at Expo. Huge news. Holy crap. New JJP confirmed, man. We're two weeks away from Expo. We're 13 days away from this reveal that they're having. Um, so that's going to drop. Labyrinth will be there. Uh, Elements will be there to play. I don't know if we'll see something from Spooky or someone else. Turner, Tilt Bob, who knows, man. Pinball Adventures, Pinball Brothers is supposed to be announcing something. Something. No confirmation that it's a pinball machine. Um, you know, maybe they'll just have an announcement of an announcement or something new that's coming. But they got something coming, too. So this is getting getting set up to be, you know, much more robust than Expo was last year. This is almost reaching TPF this year's level of hype of, of releases of new games and such. So all that is exciting. I was going to talk about this kind of at the end, uh, but then JJP done stirred the pot. So let's speculate here for a second. So uh, Steve Virtue is the one that's supposed to be up next. Um, they have this other guy that made the uh, Metroid pinball machine whose name escapes me because I have not played the pinball uh, Metroid pinball machine yet, but he's supposed to have a game. And what we've been hearing fairly consistently, you know, is Elton John every time people mention anything. We've heard word, you know, second, third, fourth, fifth hand that people that have played it said it shoots really well. Um, so, I mean, you know, that's reassuring to hear that. But ultimately, whether it shoots well or shoots not, we're going to find out when we actually see the thing and put our hands on it. So, you know, you can't always trust you know, people that happen to get to these things early yet have information leak out. Um, but there is the, the, the speculation that maybe Elton John is just a... A, uh, a code name for something else. You know, there was that drop a few months ago that Jersey Jack has the Harry Potter license. Don't even speculate or fight about it. They got it. Case closed, whatever. And then, you know, does that mean that they actually have the Harry Potter license, like from the movies? Is it from the books? You know, is it going to have book assets, movie assets, or is it going to go like the Hogwarts Legacy route, the game that came out that just kind of featured an adventure within that Harry Potter universe without any licensed characters per se? Uh, who knows? You know, so, the you know, What's the breakdown? 15% this is a Harry Potter game. You know, 95% it's Elton John. It's, it's probably going to be Elton John. And then the graphic that was revealed with the silhouetted pinball machine on their Facebook page today, it just has like a spotlight of purple glitter coming down. So, you know, unless there was a spell that I'm missing from that lore, you know, unless Hagrid had a feather boa in that hut out in the woods, I think this is probably what we're getting. So there's as much confirmation as we're going to get. We'll probably start hearing more things now. People that have known and have been holding back, the, the lips will be loosened a bit. So I think we're going to get more confirmation of this. But hey, that's Pinball Man. Four new games at Expo. If you haven't got your tickets, get down there. Get your ticket. Go pick up. Even go just one day. You know, I bought my pass. I'm going for the whole thing. I'm going to be hopefully doing the Pinball Olympics because the 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 ticket has been ordered. It's in my hand. Those got sent out this week. So if you haven't received yours, probably coming soon. Came from Pinball Life. I didn't know they were doing physical tickets, but yet here it is. I got my bus pass. I got my Pinball Olympics ticket. I wonder if I can exchange this for a slice of Sabaro somewhere. Who knows? There's not. Well, there are some instructions. I haven't read them, though. Threw them right out. I'm kidding. I got them set somewhere. Excited about that. So Expo, we're hyped for Expo. Any other news this week? Only the best pinball news that I have personally been waiting for um, for like the last two years. And that is for the coming of this rumored Stranger Things rerun from Stern Pinball. And wouldn't you know it, it actually happened. Man, uh, speculation has been building up to a crescendo over the weekend when I was thinking like, man, this thing's coming. 
Um, you know, there's still Stranger Things toppers that are here and available. Who knows if they're going to be made again? Who knows if this game's going to be made again? But I went and FOMO'd myself into a Stranger Things topper. What the heck? And then this thing came last weekend, and, you know, we didn't hear anything about an announcement. The dealers wouldn't hear anything. So I was like, okay, fine. It was supposed to be Tuesday. And then Monday comes, and then I was, I was like, well, surely they will let the distros know on Monday, and then the rest of us will know the details on Tuesday. And that didn't happen either, man. Big Daddy Stern kept everything under wraps until Tuesday and just released everything all at once uh, with a flyer in their uh, mailer uh, for the Stern of the Union, or whatever they call it. And right there, the flyer for Stranger Things Pro and Premium coming for the holidays. No word on price, no word on availability, no word on time, just coming for the holidays. And so I reached out to my distributors right away. Jeff, Mad Pinball, dude, what's up? When's this thing coming? How much is it? How much do I owe you? Do you still have me on a list? And he's like, man, I don't know any information yet either. We're all just finding out. And then, you know, a flurry of activity over the next few hours and been Dealers were scrambling to get images up on the website and taking calls, I'm sure, were deluged. Um, but we happened to find out we landed on prices uh, for the Stranger Things. Now, fortunately, they are sticking to current MSRP prices, which I was extremely reassured because for, for sure I thought this was going to go for 1000 or 1500 bucks more, uh, similar to how uh, Elvira House of Horrors was when they released those premiums and, and the premium price was 10 5 you know, not this 9766 whatever. But no, uh, we got the 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 sixty nine hundred dollar sixty nine ninety nine seven thousand dollar pros and the ninety six hundred ninety seven hundred dollar premiums. Get them from your distributors or call over Jeff at Mad Pinball. I think he still got some allotment. Everybody else is selling out. Everybody else has huge lines, days and years of waiting. But not Jeff. He's got it over there. Uh, we'll play his ad here in a little bit. But um, super super duper triple duper. You know, excited about that. So Stranger Things is coming. Our buddy, your friend and mine, Joel Engelbert, Joel Emperdink, Joel, Joel Engelbert. Yeah, that's it. Over a triple drain. They got a new show coming out here soon, too. A new episode. But he was on uh, Flipping Out with Friends with Brian Eddy for like an hour, man. Just just like chatting, uh, going through more of the details for Stranger Things. So we know the price. Uh, we've heard that they're coming out in November when they're being run. So that's next month. Beginning of the month, end of the month, I don't know. Um, are they going to do how they typically do with like the pros early on and then the premiums? I didn't hear during that interview those sorts of specifics. But come December, you're going to have this game, whether you're an operator in a location or getting that sweet, sweet premium for home. Uh, but there was some cool little news and and uh, and views and questions that were answered uh, during that stream. So watch the whole thing. Um, you know, the two takeaways from it were, of course, there are some. Uh, Upgrades to the mechanisms for this game, particularly the telekinesis lock on the premium, which I do not have any firsthand uh, experience with because of how rare those premiums were. I've only played a, played a premium maybe twice, you know, on location, and you always wonder if everything's even working or or some places they even have it turned off. I never played like a, a well-run, oiled, you know, in-home unit. Uh, but apparently this telekinesis lock is against the back uh, the play field, kind of over the graphics where Eleven is levitating some orbs of light, and your balls will lock up there magnetically for the multi-ball, which sounds totes dope. But it was problematic, or it wasn't working the way that it was intended. It was hit or miss. There was adjustments that needed to be made to really dial it in, and not everybody had that expertise to get it working. So a lot of locations, if they did have this, ended up just turning that feature off and just doing you know, I don't know if that was a virtual ball lock or whatever it was. Um, I don't think I played well enough to find out uh, the few times that I've been get my hands on a premium. 
Um, but the word is that, you know, the magnets or the mechanisms or whatever has been re-engineered to be a little bit more reliable, um, probably uh, easier to adjust and dial in is what I would think. Um, also, that uh, Demogorgon motor that, you know, jumps around, there's a coil underneath them somewhere. Um, I guess that was addressed too, so there'll be some better reliability. That I didn't hear really how that was failing, but always good to hear that things have been dialed up. Um, UV kits will be available, but they won't be coming with the machine. That will be a separate order, um, but they are. Oh, this was great. This was great to hear that they are rerunning all of the accessories. Um, some guy jumped on a pin side over the weekend and listed his uh, Stranger Things shooter rod for $300 and, or a best offer. So I offered uh, 200 which I thought was reasonable. I just got like a, yeah, no thanks right away. <laughs> So maybe he already had better offers. He just let me know as a courtesy. So, you know, thanks, dude, for doing that. Uh, but we come to find out that, yes, not only the shooter rod, but art blades, UV kit, and toppers are being rerun, built to order, um, or, or built in, in quantities that can be ordered, and distributors are, are getting them. Those will be run in November, too. I've got confirmation of that. Toppers were still in supply, but everything else has been sold right out. Uh, art blades you probably could have got, but the UV kits, forget it. And the uh, shooter rods, those have been sold out. So uh, shooter rods are going for 179 msrp uh the art blades i think they were like 99 somewhere around there 89 99 if you want the stern art blades uv kits and something else uv kits are 279 there was something else i thought was 279 as well maybe i'm misremembering um but the uv kits 279 you can get those and the toppers are still 649 so i mean by topper standards it's not 1200 bucks right so we got to be happy about that it's got that infinity mirror thing we're going with kind of like an infinity mirror theme here for this show this is the second time it's been come up uh what else do we got uh, i think that was most of what i have so uh demogorgon's gonna function better um to that end i wasn't really sure but go check out the stream with joel there and uh and our buddy eddie um Eddie also looked like he made a surprise appearance in the, the Friday Factory video from uh, Stern today. I happened to catch that, and they have the Venom LEs on the line, which actually will segue. I'm going to get into that next. Uh, Venom LEs are being made right now or, or somewhere into being completed because premiums have already been leaving the factory. Um, but yeah, there was a, uh, they were going through all the play testers, right? So they had all these uh, Venom cabinets uh, with the play fields, uh, you know, sitting in the service positions and they're going through checking switches and everything and just running the line um, of all these Venom LEs, uh, all pretty, all lined up in a row. I don't know if they actually filmed these Factory Friday videos on Friday or just released on Friday. This could have been from a week ago. Uh, but Brian Eddy was out there with one of the technicians just kind of going over. They were playing with the doppelganger mechanism. I don't know if he was just uh, doing it for show or actually you know, showing how to QC the, day, the, the thing. Um, but yeah, that was interesting. So I, let's see, what am I going to do? Um, right. I got to put my hands on a Venom LE yesterday. I was down in Madison at Blue Moon Bar and Grill. Um, and these guys just have a great relationship with their local distributor, um, who I think runs to the Stern factory, doesn't wait for things to be delivered, just grabs these things off the line, hot and fresh in the box, and then starts dropping them at local locations. And, and Blue Moon is one of those local locations that as soon as it's put together, it shows up on the floor. So they've got their Venom LE there. I was able to play it undisturbed for like an hour um, and put like 10 or 12 games through it. And I was, I was actually doing much better. This is my first time playing the, the premium LE Playfield version of it, you know, uh, up until now I've played a couple of pros and I will say first off that the premium plays so much better. Um, I was really impressed seeing it. Um, and this, I like, I knew it had that, uh, 
that that 180 ramp tilting bookcase mechanism. Um, but seeing it in person, it was much bigger and and a little beefier than what I pictured in my head. You know, I was thinking it would just kind of be this flimsy thing that would flop back and forth. But it's got some girth to it, man. It's a girth tower. It dwarfs the bell tower that's right next to it. Um, I like the little ramp that comes in front of the bell tower. That's fun. Y'all know I like wire form ramps. Uh, some people call them habit trails. I call them a good time is what I call them. Um, but there was that. And then also I was impressed with that little up down flap that's over on the, uh, the side there, which would be the exit for the, uh, the horseshoe on the pro. Um, but there's actually like a metal ramp too, that continues back that I never really got to appreciate before just from videos and images and such. Um, so yeah, it's, and plus doppelgangers there and he's a lot bigger than what I was thinking too. And seems to be pretty beefy and he's got those, uh, the three dangles underneath him, you know, similar to the uh, razor crest on uh, Mandalorian. Uh, so with the, with the addition of these things, the game feels more complete, more of like a solid game, more of there's things to do other than just like look for the lights on the, the play field and shoot, you know, shoot those lanes. Uh, so that was interesting. It was fun cycling through the characters and seeing the play field change. Um, the 180 ramp uh, is in place for two of the characters. It was uh, Venom and, and Black Suit Spider-Man. Um, and then what else surprised me about it, though, as far as layouts, was if you pick Gwenum, um, it tilts back into its far position where that uh, 180 ramp is just a shoot-through, and then it plays just like the Pro with that horseshoe. So if you do like that fast and frenzy play of the Pro, you can get it just by picking Gwen. Um, so that was fun. Um, so you have you know Pro gameplay in there with the addition of uh, Doppelganger, but you also can play around with the 180 ramp, which I really liked. Something I really didn't enjoy all that much was just that lock shot that you get with uh, Eddie Brock. Um, well, no, not Eddie Brock. Uh, who's the guy? Agent Venom. Man, my, my Venom lore is not up to where it needs to be. You know, the, the other guys you can pick. The Agent Venom, you know, plays the military music. Anyway, so that, that secondary position of the 180 ramp, all it does is just, uh, it's got an opto in there, and then a, a, a pin comes up um, and just kind of holds the ball there for a second then releases it. And, you know, that's, it's not, not, not the most exciting gameplay there. It just kind of goes up and locks and then releases. So, you know, that didn't impress me so much. I really like the 180 ramp. I like the Gwen shot. I like the flap and the ramp that's over on the other side, the other way that this play field changes. Um, I kind of wish, you know, if I, you know, had a genie and felt like wasting wishes and something as trivial as pinball layouts, um, I would have had that shoot through position, maybe been the second position, um, the 180 ramp in the first position, then that third position, have it go down underneath the play field into a subway shot or something, a subway that would then vuck up somewhere um, or shoot across the play field like, uh, like Elvira House of Horrors does with that gargoyle uh, belching out a ball right um, so I think that would have been cool a little bit of a missed opportunity I'm sure somebody thought of it because they're smarter than I am and then you know for budgets or maybe it just didn't work you know the way that I was thinking but it thought it would be kind of cool like if that third position just went into an interior subway played a little scene and then spit a ball out that would have been kind of cool well there we go um, so uh, let's talk about the art on Venom because uh, when I posted my review that was one thing that I really jumped out and I was like hey guys this art on Venom Ellie is amazing and people are saying look it's just venom with words on it what are you talking about dude well there, there was one guy that said that everybody else was like yeah you know dude it's legit um so looking online on the computer um at the pictures and on videos yeah like that art package looks dope with venom and the font and then carnage on the other side you know plus the dripping rails uh with venom goo but in person you guys in person um the the the, the graphic 
print that they did um, on the cabinet art. You know, you know, they're doing that. They've been doing like that metal foil kind of uh, accent to it. Uh, Elvira 40th anniversary has it. It looks phenomenal. So this does too, but it's like the whole thing is like has this blue green swirling metallic look to it. And if you get it under some light, you know, or flip the the flashlight on your iPhone, if it's in a lineup, check it out. Like it's glistening. It's iridescent. Um, it's got a tactile feel to it. Like if you feel the sides of the cabinet, like you could tell the different, uh, the, the different inks and the different textures like have a raised texture to them. So I don't know, man, I had my hands all over this cabinet, like just as much as I had on the, the, the Scooby-Doo butter cabinets, man. Um, but I super like this graphic. You've got to see it in person though. This, the, the pictures that I had seen, you know, the videos, you can see what the art looks like, but like up close, there's all these cool little details and man, that machine's going to be looking great in anybody's game room. Um, now gameplay wise, it's, it's still venom, you know, it's a fan layout without any, without any giant you know, mechanism, no house back there to shoot or something. So, you know, this isn't the game that's going to dethrone Godzilla or Elvira House of Horrors. You know, it doesn't shoot as well as Iron Maiden, but, you know, it, it is a fun game. The code is what makes it engaging. I will say the premium makes this more of a complete game. And what I would like to see from Stern Pinball is limited editions of this caliber with regard to the art. And, you know, I think we could we could uh, thank Jeremy Packer a lot of that for a lot of that Zombietti who did this art, uh, why the art itself looks good. But the print and finish on it, that's really what I want to get at. Um, it looks so impressive, and you got to see it in person. There's no way to appreciate it really in videos or photos, despite how I've tried. I know I'm gushing about this, but, like, it carries up into the, the back box art, too, on the sides. Um, it's got that same look, that same finish. Uh, yeah, I'm into that metallic iridescence, man. And then, you know, the mirrored back glass, I mean, those look fantastic no matter where you go. What I wish, and, and I already know why this can't happen, um, but I wish Stern would use this quality of print with these, these metal foil and things and just put that on all of your machines, you know, so every new Stern machine has the best cabinet art in the industry. I have no idea what the build of material cost is between, you know, the traditional large large format decal and this metallic finish, you know, if it's like $50 more in material to print this, I kind of think you should just go ahead and do that, man. Cause this looks cool or have it available as an option, right? Where you can order your premium and say, Oh, I'd like to pay the $50 to get the, the premium art upgrade. And uh, to that, I can already tell the, the virtual Stern employee representative in my head is saying, oh, there already is a way that you can pay to upgrade your art Don. You just go and buy the limited edition. And that's probably as far as it would go. Um, but yeah, man, I wish I could get that, that art and get it in that LE finished, but, but do the LE finish on everything. But there's no way I don't just don't see a way that that's going to happen. But any fledgling uh, pinball companies that are out there, if you can look into this tech and see like what they're doing to print these and like have your graphics at least be the best in the industry. I think that's worthwhile unless it's something like it's a thousand dollars to print this way or something. Uh, what else do I have to say about venom? I'm up to level 50. I still haven't beaten null yet. That speaks to my own, you know, terribleness of pinball. Um, I will say I am liking the code. I am liking the code where I am able to beat a mini boss and that stays saved. So at least I don't have to do that again. Um, so it doesn't save your progress as like a linear progression. You know, when you reach a stage where you've completed something, that's what gets saved. And so I can't wait to get this thing at home so I could put another hundred games through it and actually you know get through and beat null. I'm very excited for my premium. I just got invoiced today. It's paid. I sent that money over to my buddy uh, Jeff at Mad Pinball, and now would be a good time to include them in our discussion. Man, these guys over at Mad are fantastic. And their jingle, man, it'd be slapping.
So I have already heard from some distributors that they have eclipsed their sales for Stranger Things. Like they've sold out their initial allotment. Hopefully there'll be some more, but I, I believe Jeff still got some. So go ahead and give him an email, Jeff at madpinball.com, and say, hey, buddy. Um, I listened to my homie Don. He said you may have machines left or toppers or accessories to get you something. He's selling uh, Stern Shaker Motors now, too. No matter what game you got, get yourself a Shaker Motor. Your game already has the code in it for that. It adds a tactile feedback. I put Shaker Motors in all of my games. I love it. I was actually able to play Venom with the Shaker Motor since they come installed on the LEs. But for you pro and premium owners, man, get you one. It's an easy install and does add, you know, that tactile feedback, right? It just punctuates those moments. Like when you achieve and, and there's that rattle, man, I, I just I love it. I love it. And you could dial it up and down if you're a little sensitive to it. But, you know, go check that out. He's got those now. So you don't have to, you know, go through other ulterior motives. Go through your buddies at Mad Pinball. Anyway. So uh, I was reached out uh, recently by the kineticist, Colin, cool guy, pushing this positivity in pinball, which, like, I love, man. I don't want bad times in pinball. I get bad times in everything else in my life. Come on. You know, uh, people that work driving you nuts, you know, customers that are hard to please, um, you know, people that you're trying as hard as you can to please them, and they just, you know, uh, fail despite your best intentions. That's all rough. But when you come down into your game room or, you know, you go out to the bar or arcade or something, you know, that's some time to have fun. It's a social thing with friends. It brings the introverts out to the extrovert world. It's a good time. It's a fun time. And I, I support that. Um, so he's planning on doing, you know, a big write up on kind of just like what we like in pinball, you know, like how, how to how to celebrate that. And so he's taxed us with asking us, well, first off, run through your top five games and let me know what you think. And so I took that to heart. Yeah, let's do that. Um, um, I decided to uh, flip this a little bit and rather just go by, you know, the pin side top five, you know, or my like personal top five. I want to go through like an actual more personal top five. Like what are the five, what are five games that mean something like personally to me, you know, and, and like with it, given how it like affected my life or, you know, was there during, you know, a certain time of development or something. And so like identify that time and that memory with that machine. So I've compiled a list that I would like to share with everybody. And then, um, you know, hit me back with your thoughts. You know, do you have, uh, you know, a machine that uh, helps you reflect back to a kind of a pivotal or tumultuous time in your life that, you know, means something to you? Let me know. Let's discuss that. I'm going to start number five with Diner, Williams Diner. Um, this is a game. It's one of the classics. It's from that, you know, taxi era, couple of ramps, and it takes place, of all things, in a diner. Um, can we just take a moment and say like pinball themes from that era were just wild. Like how about whitewater rafting? Um, how about a taxi service? Um, you know, how about a mafia? How about a castle? How about just, uh, I don't know. Um, a, a tornado comes to town and we'll have some spinning discs or something, you know, like those are fun, man. Those like eighties, nineties games. So diner for me, it's the call outs, man. When I hear the call outs, I'm taken right back to this laundromat in Guerneville, California in 1992 um, because, you know, I moved out there living with my dad along the river and, you know, money was tight. And so, you know, affording a uh, washing machine and a dryer at home was something that was difficult, particularly electric because of the electrical costs and things. So we had a washing machine and we would wash the clothes and then we would put the clothes into, uh, you know, big giant trash bags and then we'd go down the laundromat and then that's where we would dry the clothes right so we would always take like 60 to 90 minutes 
Um, it was in a hippie town along the Russian River. So, like, there was a store next door that was kind of just, like, a general goods store. And they'd have, like, ice cream and stuff. But it was, like, hippie ice cream made with, like, ice milk and crap. So, I remember just eating, you know, this this questionable non-dairy dessert. And then, you know, they had uh, Michael Jackson's Moonwalker as a stand-up arcade machine. And then they had Diner. And so, like, that's what I would do with whatever extra quarters we had. You know, was try to get a Frankfurter and a root beer, you know, and just hit those shots. And so those call-outs, man, that I hear whenever I play Diner, even to this day, you know, takes me right back to that spot, you know, sunny afternoon uh, with my dad, smells like hot laundry, you know, eating hippie ice cream and playing Diner, you know. So I'm still on the hunt at some point to get one of those into my house and just kind of restore the entire crap out of it. And, you know, maybe I'll put it in my laundry room just so I have that humidity to play with <laughs> that I'm used to. Um, but that's number five. That's William's Diner. And I like it to this day. Uh, number two, or number four. We'll go in reverse order. Uh, we'll go with Fireball, right? Who remembers this classic game with the spinning disc on it? Um, you know, older style, uh, older school kind of game. I don't know if it was a solid state or if this was EM back then. Um, but I remember playing fireball again, pinball memories with my dad. This time I'm even younger. We're living in Los Angeles. Uh, we're at long beach. Um, you know, my, my mom would work nights at the hospital and then, you know, my dad was disabled. So, uh, during the day we would just kind of do LA stuff. You know, we would go to Disneyland, but instead of going into the park, we would go to the hotel across the street because it was free to park at the hotel. And then we wouldn't go into the park cause that costs money, but we could go around the hotel and there was uh, waterfalls and things. Um, you know, so we would go to that on the way out he would send me over to go punch the, uh, the the ticket machine for the parking lot because you got your first 30 minutes free and then I would go over there and grab a ticket as if we just came in so we got to leave and didn't have to pay for parking unbeknownst to me at the time I guess that's you know frowned upon or whatever you know, but we would do stuff like that, and uh, we would go walk the break walls down in Long Beach. You know, they, they jet out into the harbor. You can crawl around on the rocks. It's free to do. You crawl through a hole in the fence and go nuts jumping around these giant boulders out in the ocean. And, you know, there's crabs and things running around you can chase. You know, it's, it's a fun time. And there was this little eatery there called Popeye's, of all things, not related to the character, just it was called Popeye's. Uh, and he'd go in there and get a beer and some nachos or something, and that's what we'd have for lunch. But they had a fireball <laughs> was the thing. And so he took me over there, and that is like the earliest pinball memory I can have, where I wasn't just, you know, panic slapping buttons, you know, and then putting my greasy hands all over machines, but actually like waiting for the ball to get towards the end of the flipper and then hit it so you can try to hit something. And I remember my dad saying, hey, come look at this machine. It's really cool. It's got the spinning disc in the middle. When the ball gets it, it does crazy stuff. You don't know where it's going to go. Like, it's kind of neat. It's something that the other ones don't have. And so that just like is the earliest memory I have with pinball where it kind of dawns on to me that like you know there's something interesting about this machine that you don't find in other ones you know and there's some technique to this it's not just random chance so you know from then on like even to this day like when a ball's rolling down i'm like you know let's wait for it get the last eighth of that flipper and then we can get up and we get that orbit or something so uh number four we're gonna go with fireball for deep personal memories number three let's fast forward about uh 15 years, and we're going to talk about Elvira and the Party Monsters. Um, this is a game with some significance to myself and my wife. So let me, let, me, let me set the stage. You're 19 years old. You're renting a room for $300 a month. You cannot afford a car. You can barely afford a bus pass. You've got a skateboard, and you've got a dream. 
and you're trying to get into one of the allied health programs at the local junior college with no guidance whatsoever. So you pick up, you finally wise up, and you pick up this job at a pizza restaurant. It still pays minimum wage, just like the, the job driving the forklift, just like the job changing the tires. But the difference is there's free food at this place. So you know, 50% of your budget that has been going to food can now be freed up significantly. So I'm working at this pizza place. I go in there to drop my application off. I see this girl in a bandana working the register. Uh, uh, found out her name was Monica and just, you know, basically tormented her until she agreed to hang out with me. And she's now my wife. So that's that story. Across the parking lot from this pizza restaurant, this is Round Table Pizza in, in Santa Rosa, California, in the Cottingtown Mall area. Pizza restaurant has been redone, but it is still there. Uh, the diner, though, that's been gone for years. Anyway, at this diner across the street, you know, every now and then we'd go over there with some of the money that we had to buy something that wasn't pizza that we could eat uh, for lunch. But they had two pinball machines there. One of them, I have no idea what the hell it was. It must have been something old and uninteresting. <laughs> the other one was Elvira and the Party Monsters. And so we would put quarters into this. Uh, I eventually leveled up to the level of delivery driver, so I got a pocket of change every day. Uh, so we'd put quarters in there, and me and her would play Elvira and the Party Monsters, make the little finger puppets jump up and down. And, like, that was fun for us. It was what we would do during our break, working 4 p.m. to midnight every night. The dang pizza restaurant, staying late, closing the ovens and the scullery and the bathrooms. But, you know, at some point during that day, we got a break from the hot kitchen um, and we got to go over and play Elvira and the Potty Monsters. Potty Monsters. Uh, so that's still like, like that game too. Like when I play that, like I'm back in that diner, right? I know they had crinkle cut fries. I used to get a grilled cheese sandwich because it was like three and a quarter for that and the fries. And then I had some change left over to play uh, a couple games in Elvira when you have to go back to work. Uh, you know, so that was fun. So that is a game significant to me, Elvira and the Party Monsters. I've got Elvira House of Horrors now. I have definitely leveled up and I'll start at the junior college. Man, I wish I would have had some guidance because I could have been in this spot 20 years ago. Um, but that's that's that one. That was number three. Let's go with number four. Let's go uh, a similar era and let's go with Brian Eddy's Medieval Madness. All right, uh, I don't have to explain this game to anybody. It's fantastic. Bash the castle. It blows up. That is never not satisfying to do. Uh, there's trolls to hit. Merlin is in there. Tina Fey is in there. It's nuts, right? It's the whole package of a classic 90s game. The, the, the best, best version to come out of there as far as I'm concerned. So here's the thing. You know, I, I'm in university at this point, you know, after, you know, doing, doing my allied health thing for a while. And again, I find myself... <laughs> fairly broke. Uh, but I had a PlayStation and the PlayStation had pinball arcade. And I remembered I loved pinball. Uh, so I'd fire it up. And then one of the games that you, know, you were able to download with like the Bally Williams or whatever collection was medieval madness. And so that's the first place I really played this game. I'm sure I came across it at some point in the nineties in antiquity, but this is the first time when I played, I'm like, let me learn the rules of this game. Let me learn what you have to do. Let me blow up this castle. Holy garbage. This is fun, right? And then of course it is. It's medieval madness for Christ's sakes. So it's a good game. I'm enjoying it. This led to me to then look around like, where could I find and play an actual one of these? And then I came across a free play pinball arcade in Conshohocken, Pennsylvania, um, near Philadelphia, kind of close to where we were living at the times. And I went in there, we paid 16 bucks, and then we got to have free play. And it was it was nuts. Like there was like all these games that I've been playing 
virtually at home on the PlayStation, but here they are, the real ones, right? So I step on up to Medieval Madness, and I'm like, watch this. I know the rules. I know the shots. I'm going to blow this game up. Man, this place don't even never see nobody like me. And then, boom, I'm draining like a champ, dude. Um, you know, there, there was that, uh, you know, that, that learning curve that comes with, like, moving from virtual, where everything is pretty standard and, and by the numbers, to an actual physical machine where, like, this, this flipper is a little bit warmer. It's not going to shoot like the one you're used to. The shots are in different spots this rubber's worn a little bit it's it's tilted just a little bit in this way so you have to you know account for that and so um but that was the game that got me into playing you know pinball uh, in real life you know kind of leading the resurgence that just built until you know i'm here where i am today so that was a pivotal moment that was a pivotal game thank you brian eddie for being involved in that and everybody else and all the engineers and everything who made that game because uh, that was of significance now, Toten, of course, was too. Attack from Mars is fantastic, but Medieval Madness was the one. And I think it's because that theme spoke to me more than anything else. And I would love to see a Masters of the Universe custom re-theme of Medieval Madness where you blow up Castle Grayskull and have Snake Mountain up there with the dragon on it. I mean, come on, Skeletor. He-Man, shoot the shot. You know, save me. You know, Beastman and uh, Evil Lynn can pop up as the trolls or something. I still think that's a great idea that I hope that somebody with more talent than me can run with. All right, the last one I want to talk about, pivotal games for my life, um, I, I, and it's a recent acquisition, and it is sitting behind me, and it is The Big Lebowski, and it absolutely is The Big Lebowski. It's the movie metamorphosized into a pinball machine, into one of the most well-built pinball machines I've ever like, ran my hands through and looked under the play field in. Um, you know, what it captures from, like, everything we like about classic 90s Valley Williams games and a theme that's absolutely perfect for me, maybe not for other people, uh, but like I see you know, a lot of my adult life in this theme, in these characters, in this game, in these shots, in that bowling alley, in that Folgers can. Like, like there's key points in my life that, that, that are congruent with the plot points of the movie. You know, not, I'm not exactly, I've never had a weasel down my pants or anything, um, you know, or, or a marmot right? But, you know, or drugs for that matter. But, you know, like, like I just, on a personal level, like that movie spoke to me and it kind of capped off and said, you know what? Childhood is over. It is adulthood now. Um, but obviously we could still make silly childish decisions. And so that is for me, the big Lebowski. So there's five games of significance for me. Um, you know, there's, there's more, there's more, but I just want to get five and just pick five. Five that, that means something to me. Let me know what you think. You know, holler back at me. Podcast at gmail.com. Let me know what you think. We'll post on the Facebook page for this this uh, this episode that we're doing here. And, and let me know your thoughts on it. All right. So uh, the other thing, uh, let's see. Colin wanted to know, what do I love the most about pinball? Um, so I was thinking, you know, is it the satisfying shots that you get? You know, when you hit them and they feel right, like you shoot through those pop bumpers and make it into that ramp cleanly. And, you know, especially like when the game is asking you to shoot the left ramp, you know, get the Pharaoh's treasure on Iron Maiden and you hit it right through those pops and it's so satisfying. I mean, what's better than that, right? Um, I can tell you what's better than that is it's what I really like about pinball. And and that's the community and the relationships that I have made. As sappy as that sounds, you knew it was coming. Um, but it's real, man. You know, I play pinball 15 minutes a day, an hour a day sometimes, longer from streaming, some days not much at all. Um, but I can tell you what I've been doing consistently every day, and that's talking to people about it. Um, you know, it's a common theme. Uh, you know, we all love these machines similarly. Um, 
and it gives us something to you know, reach out about. You know, it's like if, if you're another pinball person, like we already share like a, a connection, right? So the door's already open. You know, what else is going on in your life? Where do you live? Why don't you come by? Do you know any cool restaurants? You know, it, it's just like, you know, it, it turns strange strangers into friends, basically. Um, you know, something that you get in the same fandoms of like, you know, a, a band that people are super into, like, like not just like they like them, but like really into them, you know? Um, and then you like, you find that person and you're like, Oh my God. Um, you know, or I would find this in, you know, with my coaster friends, like we could talk about, uh, you know, inside jokes from a theme park from 30 years ago that we all shared. And it's still funny and it's still stupid today. And it's the pinball relationships too. And what I'm finding out is that pinball has just a huge broad appeal. So even people that are members of the general public, GPs, as we used to call them in the coaster world, um, you know, they know what pinball is. Maybe not that it exists at this level, um, you know, but they're interested in it. And you're like, hey, you know, uh, here's what here's what's going on. Here's what these things are. I do a podcast about it. How do you do a podcast about pinball? What in the world do you talk about? And I say, well, these are the things I talk about. I talk about the machines that are coming out. I talk about the rumored machines that are coming out. I talk about problems that are going on with machines that have come out. I talk about problems that have gone on with people involved in the hobby. Like, you know, there's so much to it. And and they're kind of enraptured a bit. Like, like really, you know, and it's, it's not like, you know, like, like going nonstop on somebody about how, you know, the intricacies of planning a Disney world trip or something like this has more broad appeal because people kind of relate to them too. They're like, Oh, Hey, I kind of like pinball too. Um, my uncle had this game. Have you ever played it? And I'm like, well, yeah, you know, here's, here's more information about that. Um, you know, so that part of it, I like, um, you know, I like when I do a live stream unannounced, I turn it on and then, you know, 10, 20 people are in there and, you know, we're all engaged in talking. I did a live stream earlier in the week and I just turned on the camera. It was on Tuesday when stranger things came out and I ended up talking into the camera with everybody for two solid hours and it felt like 20 minutes, you know? Um, and, and we just kind of went from one topic to the next. I'm like, that's, that's what I like about it. I like that this hobby is, um, it's, it's large and niche yet still mainstream enough that there can be, tournaments you know all over the place internationally uh there's uh pinball events and conventions all over the country every region has one um so no matter where you are you can get involved to the same level um you know if you have 30 machines at home you're just as welcome as somebody with no machines at home and like that's okay if you want to find a way to try to get one people will help you out you know we'll brainstorm ways to raise funds we'll try to find a project machine and then you know help tell you how to build it up into a real one that you can then sell and flip and then buy something else um i met somebody in louisville that started just buying decrepit rotten games full of insects and just putting the time and the work in to restore them into playable condition selling them and then using the proceeds from that to buy another project and each project stepped up a little bit more in cost until they were actually able to redo this Williams diner it was beautiful man um and so like that's that's what I like most and I think that's kind of where Colin was going for it so Colin hopefully you can use this um hopefully everybody that wanted a stranger things can now get one um if if distributors you're talking to have sold out already check with Jeff and Mad Pinball I think he still has some and the accessories are streaming out man I couldn't be happier about that Don's Pinball Podcast at gmail.com. You can email me directly. Go to Facebook. Hit the like. Hit the follow, man. We're building followers. Uh, we engage on there all the time. I have like 10 different messenger uh, conversations going like right now with people. It's great. Um, uh, new merchandise and things are coming. New designs are in the flux. Expo's going to be here in two weeks, you guys. Can you believe it? This is awesome. Stay pinball. Get it.